Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Monday, August 31st. We begin with a look at this year's Calgary Pride Festival, which is now in full swing. We speak with the executive director of the festival, celebrating 30 years in our city, but with a different look this year due to the pandemic. Next, it's a story all too common these days, another business loss due to the impact of the coronavirus crisis. We speak with the owner of Swizzlestick Salon Spa on her heart-wrenching decision to shut down permanently. Then we look at the challenges facing ESL students in Alberta classrooms. We get details on a new study from the University of Alberta on how many English language learners are falling behind their classmates. And finally, it's a term you may be hearing more often these days, unschooling. We hear what this somewhat new approach looks like and how it's different from the traditional homeschooling model. It is the morning news here on 770 CHQR. She is Sue DL. My name is Andrew Schultz. It is Monday, August 31st, 8 degrees. And if you're listening to Jordan's forecast, I like how he casually says, and of course it all falls apart just in time for the weekend. <laughs> mm-hmm. You had a little optimism in his voice. Always positive. Lots to cover on the program coming up just before 7.30. Estrogen may lessen the severity of COVID-19 symptoms in women. We'll get details on a new study with our on-call family physician, Dr. Ted Jablonski. And in one minute, the 30th annual Calgary Pride now underway. But like most things this year, it looks a little bit different. We'll break down what you can expect coming up. First, helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Enjoy established amenities, recreation facilities, and the leading school districts. Well, we're just following uh, some of your major routes heading into the downtown core. We're just sitting over top of the uh, Crowchild Trail, Beautreau Memorial Drive exit ramps. And so far, so good volume-wise, if this is going to be on your route. Of course, keep in mind that Memorial Drive is still down to a single lane in both directions between the Peace Bridge and the Center Street Bridge with speed restrictions in the area. That'll be a big heads-up for physical distancing. and the Our Pride Business Initiative. The 30th annual Calgary Pride Week is now underway and it's attempting to be more inclusive than ever. Joining us to talk about the importance of Pride is Calgary Pride's Executive Director, Parker Chapel. Good morning, Parker. Good morning. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I know long list of events, of course, this week, and we'll get to those, but let's talk about the ongoing importance of Pride and, and how you've had to pivot this year, really, thanks to the pandemic again. So let's start with the, the importance and why we continue to need to celebrate and, and have a week like Pride Week. Um, well, I think it's just... Uh, it, uh, Pride is always, has always been sort of a moment in the year where... Um, members of the community um, and their allies can connect, celebrate their acts of allyship. It's an opportunity to be visible, to be recognized. Um, and I think this year, more than more than 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 there's been a need um, in previous years, is that opportunity of being recognized. I think um, definitely a lot of folks have have 
struggled having to um, physically distant and stay in their house. And it's definitely impacted disproportionately our community. And so um, trying to create those opportunities to celebrate um, and connect is really important. Parker, let's talk about some of these numbers with, uh, you know, uh, 300 artists and 100 workshops. And I know that, uh, you know, all events in the city had to change. So how far back did you, did you folks get together and say, okay, how are we going to do this? It's important. It's 30 years. How are we going to restructure this? Let's talk about the planning and, and how intensive that was. Uh, yeah, I think it was about, it was at the end of March, beginning of April, where we started coming up with some ideas. And then as the pandemic, um, as the pandemic continued to unfold and we got more information, um, we, you know, our team is really, really smart, really resilient and very clever. And we came to the table with a bunch of ideas and, and made it, made it happen. I mean, the, the end goal was to try to create as many opportunities for the widest possible audience to engage and to celebrate, to learn, to connect with each other. Um, and I think we've done a really good job of that. Parker, you talked about allyship earlier and uh, Global Calgary. We are super proud at radio and TV to be partnering with Calgary Pride this year to sponsor the Our Pride Business Initiative. So tell us about that and how Calgary businesses can be recognized as allies. Well, what we wanted to do was create an opportunity for folks to um, to connect in person in a way that um, that adhered to the physical distancing guidelines. But we also wanted to do everything we could to um, to sort of promote um, local businesses who we know have been impacted really, really hard. Um, and so we invited businesses and organizations to collaborate with us on an event or an initiative, whether that's like a drag show or a pride themed cocktail or um, and, um, and so just to host that during Calgary Pride Week and what we would do is provide that business owner and their staff with free diversity and inclusion training. And then we would essentially market those business businesses, those initiatives and those events as the pride festival so that, um, so that we're able to sort of create uh, an opportunity for everybody to engage in a way that's safe celebratory um well also like being able to help local businesses um recover mm-hmm. the cele- uh, celebration and, and kind of keeping that festival spirit alive is one thing but if you can touch on some of the learning series workshops because that is a, a key part that well i think online would maybe be a perfect fit and would maybe give you some advantages this time out Absolutely. We're really, really proud of the learning series. We have uh, in total, we, we kicked it off at the end of June and it, it goes all the way up until the end of Pride Week and we're looking at extending it beyond that. But we have um, over 100 workshops that are entirely free for folks to take part of online. Um, we have 56 different themes in those workshops. So everything from LGBTQ 101 to Two-Spirit Identities, um, talking about trans and non-binary identities, uh, gender-affirming gear, talking to newcomers. We have a, a Calgary Gay History series. Um, we have a total, I think, of 86 different speakers and just under 30 supporting organizations putting on all of these different workshops. Um, and so that, that's that been really, really positive. Um, we've had lots and lots of engagement. Um, and, and the easiest way to sort of figure out... Um, what it is you want to check out is to just download our app. You can create a personalized schedule. Um, yeah, and then, of course, we have the broadcasting, which is happening all week with 
over 300 artists. And that's on YouTube as well. And I was going to mention that because I know the app this year makes it so much easier. There there are so many events. There's so many this learning sessions, the entertainment. So to have it all in one place, a free app that you can download and know exactly what's going on through the week is really brilliant. That's That's new this year, correct? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Although I would recommend that folks go to our website just because there's a lot of drag and YouTube and Facebook tend to get a little persnickety um, when it comes to copyright and music. So if you go to our website, it's a lot easier to stream or on Twitch. But if you download the app, you'll get the full schedule of artists. You'll know where all the Our Pride events are. You'll know when all of the learning series is. You can build your personalized schedule get notifications when your thing is happening so you don't miss out. Uh, and it's available on Google Play and in Apple. Parker, you sound so excited about all of this. <laughs> so I think that I think we should, you know, underscore the fact that, you know, because it's not the pride that we know, don't wait until next year. Hopefully a bigger and better, uh, you know, next year. But th- this is not a write-off. No, there's so much available. There's so much available for folks to get engaged in person and online in a way that feels good for them. All right, I love it. Tell us uh, quickly before we let you go, your two favorite events that you're looking forward to coming up this week. Go. Uh, Parade Day Broadcasting and uh, the Calgary History Walk at the Beltliner. Okay, love it. It's all online, as you say, calgarypride.ca. And, you know, the headline on on the website when you go there, Pride is at its essence, a celebration of resiliency, community, and love. And that's what it's all about. Thanks so much for joining us, Parker. Thank you so much for having me. That's Happy Pride. Happy Pride. That's Parker Chapel, Calgary Pride's executive director, calgarypride.ca, and download the app. Did not know there was an app for that. Yep. Now you know. So the website or the app, whatever works best for you. Right now it is 717. Time now for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Life happens at hellowestdistrict.com. Well, South Bend lanes of Deerfoot Trail sitting at about nine minutes from Stony Trail down towards Memorial. If you are continuing further south from that point down towards 17, up on 7.50 now on your Monday morning and after more than 30 years in business Kensington's Swizzle Stick Salon Spa closed its doors permanently last week. Joining us to talk about the loss of a business during a pandemic is owner Bree Hallett. Hi Bree. Hi, good morning. Good morning. First of all, I'm so sorry. I mean, I've been going to Swizz for about 20 years but I know this was your new baby so can you talk to us a little bit so that people understand exactly what's happening out there from a business owner perspective. What happened when you were forced to close for so long and then open under such strict conditions? Yeah, I think it was kind of like death by a thousand cuts in a way. So the pandemic comes around, there's a ton of restrictions um, and then when we reopened, it was very limited. We couldn't reopen the spa right away. We could only have a certain amount of people in the salon. And we had very limited government funding and uh, a really 
hard landlord. Mm. So it kind of all just came down to there just was no way to make it work. The landlord was super uh, astringent and wanted everything 100% even during the closure and kind of backed us into a corner in a lot of ways. So what do you say, you know, when you hear about these government programs and and reliefs that are in place, uh, what do you say to those uh, those programs? Was was it just not enough, or did it take too many different, I guess, players, including the landlord, to get involved? Yeah, so the government funding, it sounds really good <laughs> from the outside. And, you know, at the beginning of it and hearing all the things they were offering, I was like, okay, we're going to get through this, we're going to be okay. And then the more you delve in and start to see some of the criteria, so the we did qualify for the wage subsidy, which was extremely helpful when we reopened. Um, and we qualified for, I think it was the BDO, $5,000. Now, the $40,000 that a lot of small businesses had access to, our payroll was actually too high for that. Wow. So we didn't qualify for that, which, I mean, it was that was just like another big cut in a lot of ways. And you can understand from a landlord's perspective, you know, they have they have to pay for what the, the building that they own, et cetera. But wouldn't it's it just, you know, it's crazy to hear that because wouldn't you think that you'd rather give a business a break than have no business in there at all, really, in the end? And, and sadly, that's what's happened now. And I think it's happening a lot of places. Um, commercial real estate, it doesn't seem like many of them are doing anything for their businesses. And it really scares me for the landscapes of main streets like Kensington, and other areas in Calgary, just to see how that's going to shake out and what's going to happen. Well, all the best to you, Bree. And, uh, you know, our uh, your hearts go out to you because it has to be tough when it's been your baby for, for, for many years now. It is tough. And, you know, we did have such a big impact on the city. And truly, we will miss you guys. And who knows what happens in a few years. But right now, this is definitely the smartest move to make. And we don't know how the next year is going to go, too. Very true. The, yeah. Where Where is the end? Is it even in sight? Well, Absolutely. thank you. Thanks for joining us. I know it's difficult and appreciate your perspective on it. Thanks so much, Sue and Andrew. Have a good one. You too. That's Bree Hallett, owner of the former Swizzle Stick Salon Spa in Kensington, which has closed its doors. Nine oh nine on the morning news. Many English language learners in junior high are falling behind their classmates in oral language and literacy skills, according to a recent study out of the U of A. To discuss this further, we are joined by Professor, Faculty of Arts, Linguistics Department at the University of Alberta, Joanne Parody. Good morning to you, Joanne. Good morning. Let's talk about it. Uh, the unique challenges faced by these students. What are they? Well, um, first of all. Uh, I need to point out that uh, some of the ESL students are recently arrived students. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about, our study was on students in grades 7, 8, and 9. So some of them kind of arrived one or two years before grade 7 or maybe is, you know, grade 3. And the other ones in our group have actually were born in Canada and did preschool and all their schooling in English. So their challenges are a little bit different for, uh, for the two groups. Okay, so the challenges as we move forward, you found that they, you know, they were falling behind compared to some of their counterparts. Let's talk about those numbers and, and how much so. Yes, yeah, so the uh, ones who are what we call the early arrivals, these are the ones who are born here and have done all their schooling in English in Canada. Um, the majority of them are doing just as well as their monolingual uh, peers, the students who are, uh, only speak English, but there are still some who are persistently falling behind, and that is kind of worrisome because... They have been in Canadian schools their whole uh, 
time of, of their entire schooling. And, um, you know, they're far beyond the period at which the schools actually support some of their ESL. So if they're falling behind in reading and in their oral language skills, their vocabulary in English, this could be a worry going forward to high school. So um, I think one of the things our research showed is that even though it's a minority of these early arrival students who need help, those that need it should be getting it in middle school. Are these Canadian kids you say that you're referring to, they've been here and they're, but they're still falling behind? Is that because they're maybe speaking another language at home then? Well, some, uh, not necessarily because some of the ones who are in that group, the majority of them in that group are doing just as well as their modeling dual peers. In fact, some of the ESL students who are early arrivals actually score just uh, some of the, the rock star high scores are from students in that group. It's just there's a group kind of at the bottom, the bottom 5% that score below the lowest monolingual scores, and they persistently stay low. Like once you're low after seven years, you kind of uh, stay low. So it's just that's a small group of, of students. But when we're talking about the ones who are late arrivals, there are many in that group who are really scoring low. They're scoring, um, like 50% of them are scoring below grade level on reading comprehension, and their vocabularies are far too small to support their reading. And those are the ones that are the highest concern because they're facing some pretty tough curriculum, some pretty tough subjects in school, and they're just about to go into high school. And they really need um, a lot more support than they're getting to make sure that their academics um unfold as they should in high school. So, Joanne, what what needs to change? Are there simply not enough resources out there for these students? There are definitely not enough resources out there for these students. Um, I think that, you know, school boards are always feeling a bit of a pinch. And, of course, they're feeling a bigger pinch this year and dealing with all the, the COVID business. So it's hard for them to find uh, all the resources that are needed for um, sort of supportive services for students. Are these kids falling uh, under the public or Catholic board or all of the above? Is there any differentiation there? Um, no, uh, we, we um, this, the schools that participated in our study, it was in Vancouver and in Edmonton, and they're public schools and one charter school. So we actually didn't have Catholic schools in, in um, our, our study. This study was uh, Western Canada specific, as you mentioned. Do you have any uh, data or do we know anything about uh, um, other sections of our nation and and, uh, how far these students are uh, faring across the, the country? Um, no, unfortunately, um, not very many studies actually have looked at uh, ESL students in grade 7, 8, or 9. That was one of the reasons why we did this research. People sort of commonly assume that after elementary school, these students have caught up. Uh, even the relatively late arrivals, uh, the, the idea is that, well, they had school in their home countries and then they come here, so they'll catch up pretty fast. Um, and because nobody had really looked at whether this was true or not, that was one of the impetuses we had for this study. So um, I would like to see more research on this in other parts of the country for sure. So Joanne, here in the West, now what? What do you do with the information that you've gleaned from this? What do I do? Well, I can't do very much as an academic except uh, talk to people like you and get the word out there and um, send our research to policymakers. I have uh, shared it with uh, um, Edmonton Public Board because that's the board who participated a lot. And I know my partners in Vancouver have also shared it with the Vancouver School Board. And we're hoping that that will feed into some policy changes. So what do we? what can we do as parents, though, if we're listening then? Well, I guess... I. Uh, I guess parents through the parent councils at the school 
could uh, discuss the issue of ESL supports for students who are in middle school, find out what resources are available at their school, find out if there are students who are falling behind and see what they can do to increase it uh, as best they can. Although with scarce resources, it's, it's tough right now. You mentioned with scarce resources, uh, you're kind of up against it because we're talking about you know, uh, the, the uh, budgets being hit and budgets being used as we move uh, post-pandemic and school starts up again. So really, this is kind of the perfect storm, I would think. Yeah, unfortunately it is. And uh, these kids are kind of uh, just, uh, you know, they're, um, I don't want them to be sort of, uh, I hate to use the metaphor, collateral damage of the storm. But since you brought up storm, um, I would like to see them getting more support. But one of the interesting things we found, and I think this is important to say, is that whether they spoke their home language at home or whether they spoke English didn't matter. What mattered is whether they spoke English to friends at school Mm -hmm. and whether they read books in English. That really promoted their English language abilities. So one thing we don't want to do is tell parents, oh, switch to English at home. Because for many reasons, that's not a good choice. And it certainly isn't going to help these kids. Another thing we found was that their oral language skills and their reading comprehension were highly, highly interconnected, robustly interconnected. So boosting oral language will help to boost reading. Fascinating. Thank you so much for uh, breaking down the study for us. Appreciate your time. Hey, thank you for having me. That's Joanne Paradis. She is a professor at the Faculty of Arts in the Linguistics Department at the University of Alberta. Right now, time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. You will find a home that fits your lifestyle. Crochel Trail at 5th Avenue Northwest. We've got a broken down vehicle southbound in the middle lane. It's still causing a little bit of a slowdown. Not a major delay, though. Also watching those delays on southbound Blackfoot Trail approaching Aylith Road. There's construction that has traffic down to a single lane. So just the backups extending towards about 9th Avenue right now. It'll be a couple of minutes to get through there. Also watch out. We're getting reports of a collision at Heritage Drive east of Blackfoot Trail at 79th Avenue. Not seeing a huge delay, but definitely keep an eye out in the area. Overall, though, Deerfoot and Glenmore, they're both moving fine uh, through both the east and west sides of the city. Want football? DAZN has more live football than anyone else. Exclusive Premier League, exclusive UEFA Champions League, all the NFL. DAZN, start your free trial today at DAZN.com. For the 770 CHQR Traffic Helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard. Seven degrees and partly cloudy. It is Monday, August 31st. You're tuned in to the morning news with Sudiel. My name is Andrew Schultz. Lots to cover within the next half hour and beyond, actually. You know, we all identify, we all lean with our own political thoughts, and it's usually not a big deal. But when Charles Adler comes out and says he can no longer call himself a conservative like he did over the weekend, kind of a big deal. We'll check in with Ryan Jesperson from 630 Chet, who's in for Danielle. That's coming up just after 830. And coming up in one minute, what is unschooling? The child-led education model is growing in popularity. We'll find out more about it coming up. First, helicopter traffic for West District by Truman, Calgary's last and best master plan community inside the Stony Trail Ring Road. Well, the sun is starting to peak behind the cl- peak from behind the clouds, and we're already seeing that glare factor now becoming an issue for eastbound drivers on Glenmore Trail. Um, from Thirsty Trail out towards Deerfoot Trail, you, though, you've got about an eight-minute drive, so volume-wise, we're still moving okay. Starting to see some delays, though, on northbound Deerfoot as you make your way towards Anderson Road. Uh, those delays starting at Douglasdale Boulevard. Things do open up after Southland Drive, though, and continues up towards 17th Avenue with a delay-free drive. Southbound Deerfoot, though, we are seeing some delays approaching 17th Avenue, specifically in that right lane as you continue on to southbound Blackfoot Trail, and that is due to construction down by 
Bayless Road. The left lane is shut down in both the north and southbound lanes, so we're seeing that back up on a Deerfoot about five minutes to get through. Also watch for a stalled vehicle on Crow Child southbound at 5th Avenue Northwest. It's in your middle lane back up to 16th Avenue. Introducing Be Well, wellness rewarded. This Friday to Sunday, get 20 times the Be Well points when you spend $20 at Rexall. Visit Rexall.ca for details. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Brady Howard.